0: Hi, everyone. Today, I would like you to meet Carrie Gilley, the CEO and co founder of Franchise Fastlane. Uh, Carrie, welcome.
1: Thank you, Lance. It's so good to be here.
0: So, before we get started, because I want to get some of your insights, huh. maybe some action items for people, but for people who aren't familiar with Franchise Fastlane, can you take a couple of minutes and share what you do?
1: Sure, absolutely. So Fastlane is what the industry has coined an FSO, a franchise sales organization. And simply put, we solve the most significant problem for emerging and micro-emerging brands in that we drive their growth. So they, they can focus on their business while we take their development on soup to nuts from the generating the leads, to registering the leads, to walking those leads through a discovery process where they really get educated on the brands, bringing them in for a confirmation day, and then even managing the signature of the franchise agreement, the FDD cooling period, the whole thing. Um, And this is definitely the number one problem for brands. The IFA states that there's about 4,000 brands in the US, 300 emerge every year, 300 fail every year. It's not an easy game. And what they say is the benchmark is you need to hit about a hundred open, about a hundred before you usually see royalty profitability, but sadly less than 5% hit that goal. And those that do, it takes 10 years, it takes 10 years. So it's such a slow crawl to profitability. So we really work to help our brands achieve that in under two and just take on their full development so they can focus on their business.
0: Yeah. and, And that is important. And, you know, there's a reason why I think some brands get stuck or never really take off. And -hmm. I want to highlight some of those because you guys have it dialed in. Um, If I talk with like a new or young brand or say maybe the founder of the original company is trying to do their franchise development for them. um, Mm -hmm. When I introduce people to those companies, they'll literally talk to my clients and just say, here's our elevator pitch. Um, Do you have any questions? And I'll send you out the FDD and They just don't understand what a true sales process is and how they're educating people, handling objections, building up a vision. Can you explain the steps in your process and why you have those steps?
1: Absolutely. Um, And you're right. Exactly what you said. That's point on. In fact, last year, I talked to 191 brands um, and we brought on eight. So that's how highly selective we are. But I will tell you that when I ask a brand to explain, a brand founder, what do you do? I can almost walk away from the phone. They know what they do, whether it's fitness or haircuts or rental space or food. They know what they do. But then when you take them to that next question of how do you plan to grow your brand, how are you going to find the right person to carry the flag of your brand into a territory nationwide? It's crickets. (laughs) They don't know what's next. And so I'll say, well, what are you doing today? And um, I I mean, I it's every time what you just said. Well, I don't know. I they call me. I spend 10 minutes with them on the phone, I send them the FTD, and then I see if they want to come see the brand. <laughs> and you're going, this person is thinking about rolling over their retirement or taking out an SBA loan. This is life-changing for them. They need a full discovery process. And so you're right. We walk them through um, a full process. It's six to eight weeks of just educating them on the brand. It starts with videos before our very first call, and then you're into an intro. After that intro, we're going to continue to send you materials. The second call is what we call unit economics. So we're going to dive into the financials as exactly as they are disclosed in the franchise disclosure document. So exactly item seven, what does it cost to invest in this business and be a business owner here? Exactly item 19, how are the franchisees in this system performing from a financial perspective? So we will look at all that. Um, And we will send you all the workbooks and all the materials. Then we enter you into validation. And that's actually when franchisees have an opportunity to dial in and talk to somebody who's already living a day in the life, right? That's important. You're thinking about doing this. That's the beauty of franchising is this is already a model. It's already proven. People ahead of you are already doing it. So you can read the manual, which is that franchise disclosure document, and you can talk to people who are already there. So we leave them in that validation stage for a few weeks and make sure they've validated maybe with a new owner, maybe with a veteran owner. And um, then we take them into a full FDD review. And that's important because while we live inside the FDD and I can tell you what the items mean and and tell you how to read an FDD, this is a foreign document to somebody who's looking at life change through franchising. And so we walk them through that FDD and we host leadership calls so that they can get to know the leaders of the brand. And ultimately, if they've checked all these boxes, they've validated and you know they've reviewed the FDD, we know they've done their homework, then we invite them to what we call confirmation day. And the brands host these about once a month. Some of our fast moving brands are doing two a month. And that's when candidates who are highly qualified, they've been qualified by Franchise Fastlane, they've already met with franchisees, with founders, are invited in for an experience. And they get to see, experience the brand, eat the food, do the workout, whatever it is, um, be on a job if it's a service brand. And really get to meet the founders and understand what their future could look like with this brand. And that's not just about them choosing the brand. That's about the brand approving them, too. They have to be approved as a franchisee. And while we're highly selective about our brands, our brands are highly selective about their franchisees. And so it's really a it's a back and forth experience. And then if they are approved, that's when we move into finalizing their mapping and um, their franchise agreement, and and just then at that point, the logistics of making them a franchisee—it's very exciting,
0: right? And this whole process of what you do, it not only gives them the information they need to know, yeah. it not only addresses in advance any kind of fears or objections they might have, For but sure. it's 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 building a a, a vision, a an, a more accurate picture of what they're about to have in their life if they get approved and take this on. And um, most people just don't understand that Uh, this is too long of a sales cycle, too big of an investment um, to just have a brief conversation. You got to get it figured out and organized.
1: You absolutely do. Um, You keep saying vision and I'm so glad you do. That's my favorite definition. So my career background was startup and then I sold my first company in the mid 20s and in in my mid 20s. And I landed in corporate America. So I experienced those two extremes, startup and then corporate America. So then when I found franchising later, about 15 years ago, I was just absolutely enthralled. And I I I think it's because it delivers vision. If you look at the definition of vision, it's a clear and compelling picture of of a preferable future. And so most people get one or the other. They either get that clear and compelling picture. That's corporate America right? Where I know what I'm going to do every day. I know how much PTO I get. I know I get a 3% raise my holidays. I've got it all. I get it. It's clear. But then I don't get the preferable future, which is business ownership and entrepreneurship and the opportunity to be my own boss. You usually have to choose. When I found franchising, I went, wow, this is both. And I'd already lived the two extremes. This is both. But that's really on that franchise award to deliver that. You have to be able to, to deliver not only their opportunity to be a business owner, but also all the processes and the infrastructure and the training and the preferred partners to build a model they can follow.
0: Right. And and none of this happens without the clear, good communication. Yeah. you know and what i have seen with brands that struggle is is first they don't have a clear process that they right. have ironed out and defined that's designed to move people to the next step or find out they're not right, right. Um, it's a smart process not a lazy process that mm-hmm. says only the tough people will choose to move forward on their own no you're actually assisting them and helping them but that communication not only with the franchisee franchisor but with the brokers, if you're working with brokers that support you, because as a team, they're trying to help, but yeah. you know, you guys do a great job of communicating. Can you talk about the importance of that and, and how you kind of structure your communication?
1: Communication is so key. And you're right that you bring up the consultants. Um, we have absolutely, I can't overstate the importance of consultants in what we do. Our partnerships with, with Brand Choice with IFPG, with FCC, with FRANNET, um, with the U Network. And I know I'm, I'm missing some and I don't want to because they're all such valued partnerships. But that communication is absolutely key. They call it frickin' frack. That's what the consultants call it. They call it frickin' frack. And, and what they mean by that is we are both helping this candidate find the right brand for them. We're doing that together. It's not us in the absence of the consultant. It's not the consultants in the absence of us. And so we have to make sure that we are calling them after every call we have, we're collaborating around where that candidate is at, if they're a really good fit, what were the objections or the fears that we need to help them understand and answer questions. So we're constantly doing that. We're so committed to it that we've built our own proprietary technology that we call Frick and Fastlane, and we built it via an open API to our CRM. So a consultant can literally log in and they can see all the notes the director put in. So the director meets with Lance and they talk about mosquito shield and you have some key questions and they're taking notes the whole time and then they log those notes and those notes are auto emailed to the consultant of record and um and also um, displayed in freaking fast lane so communication is absolutely key not only with the candidate with the brand partner but also with the consultant there are many st- stakeholders and it's an important decision in someone's life
0: right And the thing I think you guys do too, is there's clarity and purpose behind what you do. Clarity. I've I've looked at so many companies to where they have a logo that I don't know what they do from the logo. And then they don't really have a tagline. They just go into sales materials. And so I'm like, you know, we're the best, we're the fastest, we're this, but I'm like, but what do you do? Your very first sentence should be, here's what we do in one sentence. It's very clear. And then everything supports that. What advice can you give to companies on how to figure out how to take the time to condense that one single sentence or two so that people are clear on what you do?
1: You know, as an organization, we're reading a book um called Building a Story Brand. And if you're if you're a new fast laner, it's going to arrive in your door at your door. <laughs> we send it to you. Because of what you just said, there is just such an example of all this website nonsense, right? And it really doesn't drive to what the company does. They go back to Apple computer. And when they launched their first version of an ad in the New York times, it was 12 pages long and they sold them a miserable, I think 8,000 or something. And then they came back and they came you know, the think smart. And it was about that person. It was about your customer and what you could deliver for them. And it was so direct and And of course, you know, the the success of Apple today. Another example that's in the book is the hitchhiker. And, you know, if there's a hitchhiker alongside the road and you pull over, what does that hitchhiker want to know? Where are you going? That's what they want to know. Where are you headed? Because they want to know if that fits for them. It's about them. If you pull up and tell them, what you're playing on the radio or when the car was made or <laughs> what model it is or how many, nobody cares. So you do, you have to dial it in. Your message needs to be about the prospective franchisee. They are the hero. Your brand is, is not the hero. They are the hero. How are you going to help them change their lives through your brand? And so that is a process in dialing that in and and it's usually one of the very first things we have to do when a brand comes in because the franchising side is usually a miss. The FDD is a miss, is a miss, the materials are a miss. And so we really recreate all of that with great brand partners.
0: Yeah, and your your collateral is is organized. I get too many people that they create random marketing pieces
1: because mm-hmm. they
0: think that's what they need to do or they've seen somebody do it, but they don't think about if if they had a really defined process that worked, which is this is this is about conversion, not just making something happen. The the brand pieces are designed to move to another step. They're designed to handle an objection in the shortest, the shortest, most concise way possible, because length creates confusion. Can you talk about how you guys organize things to do that?
1: It's so true. Again, we all know time kills all deals. People want to guide. That's what your role is. Your role is to be a guide and inundating them with 120 different marketing pieces and they don't even know where to start instead of answering the question they need after intro. What's the next step I need? I need to figure out how to validate and how to meet franchisees in the system. Okay, so then after unit economics, what's the next question I need? I need you to help me understand what an item 19 and what an item seven and why item six, what's this fee structure and how does it work? They have direct questions after each call. You can send them 20 pieces of collateral and overwhelm them, or you can direct them to, to, to exactly what they need for that point in the process in their in their journey. So you're right, we have created the journey to be very direct. Now, of course we can always give them more, but we look at what is the call they just had and now what homework do they need to do post-call? What is the call that they just had and what homework do they need to do post-call? Franchising is all about following a system. And the other benefit of your process being so clearly defined is you will see whether or not they're good at following a system. If they wanna bounce all around and they wanna change things up, they're probably not gonna be a good franchisee because they haven't learned to follow a system. I think it was Brand Connect that reported that the average sales cycle now is 210 days, 210 days. So think about these brand founders. If you're only closing half of 1%, which is also what Brand Connect reported, you have to talk to 200 people to find one that's the right one and then you have to spend 210 days with that one. It's overwhelming for these brand founders who need to be focused on their business but if you create a process, you figure out how to follow how to create the right qualified leads and then you take them on a guided journey to answer the right questions at the right time and then bring them into the brand at the height of their experience, that's when you'll see conversion.
0: Right. So, simple, clear, direct to the point, next step so much so much easier. You know, and I see people that haven't haven't they? They haven't fully developed that. Uh, what do you say the the unique selling proposition, that differentiation. Right. So what they do to try to grow is they're focused on marketing versus improving the system and differentiating. And so that creates a, a huge amount of an investment in marketing to overcome this. And while you're doing that, you're still going to overcome friction because it's not optimized yet. And no one wants to hear they haven't optimized their system because they're ready to sell it. But can you talk about the things that you see that people really need to figure out and optimize to make it the system just take off on its own?
1: You know, you're absolutely right. We have some brands in our inventory, we have 26 brands today, that are differentiated just in what they do. We have a brand called Shrunk Three D. Shrunk Three D, and literally they pull up to events, and you walk in, and they have 120. It's a rig, 120 3D cameras, and they take your picture, and then they literally send you a statue of a special moment in your life with your graduate, or you know, at a, at a maybe at a sporting event, or that sort. That that is just differentiated because you're not going to find a bunch of that <laughs> of those types of companies. But we also have house painting and pest control and. You know, those types of, I would say, industries that are more popular populate, there is more noise in the space. But what I would say is you still have to find a way to differentiate what you do. SprayNet is our house painting brand. Their method and what they do through the coding services and their proprietary technology is unique and second to none. So you still have to find a way to make your brand stand out. I think it's really important as an emerging brand to make sure you're not undercapitalized. Franchising is very expensive very expensive so you either need to have corporate territories that are going to help you fund your growth or you need to raise capital and find investors so that you're ready for that you need to make sure that you only in the early stages i see brands all the time kind of in their desperate state to bring in unqualified franchisees they learn later oops that was a miss and um and they give away the farm you know they give away a full state and the and a first right of refusal to another state <laughs> So I think I see that a lot too. Too large of territories, you need to be careful about the size of your territories. If your territories are too large, a franchisee can't spend enough in marketing to even optimize the opportunity within that territory. So you, know, you need to help them um, optimize what they can do with their marketing dollar. It's 200,000 population or 100,000 households or whatever. Um, fee structure. Fee structure. Also is another one where we have to spend a lot of time with the brands. Oftentimes the FDD doesn't have minimums. So the brand is not protected or the fee structure doesn't make sense for the franchisee. And so we look at all of those things, but those are some of the common mistakes I see oftentimes with an emerging brand.
0: What about um, having a, I see where emerging brands will look at whoever the current leader is, right? That's already huge and established. And they will try to model their franchise fee after that mega company but they're not in the same spot. They have a greater cost of startup and they really need to have the resources to best support their franchisees. And what I have seen is, is, is that they don't, um, they, they just, they undercut themselves and now they're in trouble. And from clients, I've never seen a client balk at a franchise fee. I mean, it it happens rarely. Um, usually they look at the overall investment price. That's what they look at. So What's your suggestion when it comes to deciding on your franchise fee?
1: You know, franchise fee in the end is not, I think, as a brand, you have to realize that typically you're not going to build your brand on the franchise fee. That is not. You're right. It's the item seven that has to be clearly defined. And if you need a little more for training, build that into your item seven. A franchise fee structure should look pretty similar across all the brands. But I do see brands make the mistake that you just said less on franchise fees and more on royalty. They're an emerging brand. They only have three or four franchisees and they come into the fast lane and they want to charge 12% royalty. <laughs> and then you've got a brand fund of 3% on top of that and a technology fee and all the other fees on top of that. And we'll say, look at this, you know, standard in the industry is 6% royalty, 2% brand fund. And um, you know, so we'll we'll work that out with them. And I think what you can see is. As a brand grows then and establishes themselves, you can always go in and your next FDD, you can adjust what is the fee structure for your status as a company at that time and your proven reputation around the country. But I I don't often see many mistakes around franchise fees. I oftentimes see mistakes around that item five, the ongoing fees. Mm -hmm.
0: What what about, um, is there a certain net, profit that a company should be self-aware that they need to really have if they're going to get into franchising that makes their business franchisable? Because they still have to think about the franchisee who's investing all this money and time that they have to have an appropriate amount left over to make it worthwhile for them.
1: Yes. So many of the franchise candidates that we're looking at are displaced business executives. So we're always thinking about, and they're always thinking about how do I one day leave my nine to five job and move into this role? It's about replacing a lifestyle that they're an income that creates a lifestyle that they're enjoying today. So for us, it's important to see a business that brings you know something between 10 and 20 percent to net profits and six digit income opportunity. Um, that way, if, if they're used to 300,000 a year, you can buy a three pack. And over time, you can build your business up and eventually um, maintain your lifestyle through franchising.
0: And what are the, uh, is there a certain mindset that you've seen with owners that generally are more successful than other owners?
1: Oh, for sure. We've worked with some extraordinary brands, but the owner was a miss. And then some brands that I would say, you went, what's unique about this? Is It's just another brand, but it was the owner who made it, who made it exceptional, So again, in in our own business, we've spent a lot of time on our DNA and who we are and that mission of driving extraordinary growth, our vision of setting industry standards, and then our own core values. And I think grit is what's key. Um, I was reading a recent story on grit because we have a core value of be gritty, be hungry, bring it. Um, Our others real quick, drive fast results, no surprises, have each other's back. So important for the team and for our partners and inspire life change is what we do. But that be gritty, be hungry, bring it, that is so key for a partner as well. Again, I was reading a recent story on grit because we were talking about it in one of our larger team meetings, and it was by Angela Duckworth, who's a renowned psychologist. And she said, um, it was actually her report, um, says that grit is a better predictor of success than talent or intelligence. It's the driving force that propels us forward despite the obstacles we face. So I really do think when we meet a founder, we can tell pretty quick now what kind of founder is this? You're looking for somebody who knows how to have, he serves his own team or she serves her own team. So she has a servant's attitude, but also just that grit and hard work to, to make it through those early years of a franchise system.
0: Right. And last kind of topic here, brokers. I, I've, I've spoke with a lot of franchisors. Some are very excited to work with brokers. Some don't get it. Um, what are, what's the benefit of adding that as uh, to your growth strategy of working with a broker? What's the benefits or you know non-benefits the trade-offs?
1: Yeah you know when a brand comes to me and, and they ask how do I get started in my early stages?" I, I always answer, you need to focus on your business. Outsource everything else. <laughs> Outsource literally everything else. Find somebody to assist with site selection, with construction, with marketing, your call center. They're best at what they do. You're best at what you do. And, and so I think that's very important. And for us, brokers have been, I would always recommend the broker networks. Now, going into a broker network and investing, so it's not it's not cheap. It's a sizable investment to enter the broker networks. Entering the broker networks without a partner to help you stand out in their inventory, that's challenging. Um, if you enter Franchise, which I think is one of the FranChoice IFPG, two of the absolute best broker networks, IFPG is literally hundreds and hundreds of brands. I think Franchise today is up to about 200 brands. How do you stand out? You're just another brand. So that's what we work really hard in bringing our brands into Franchise and differentiating them from all the other brands. Because what you and I both know is there isn't a consultant out there that pitches 200 brands on the regular, right? Nobody does that. <laughs> they have a short list of 10 to 12 brands. So every time we're launching a brand into the networks or attending a conference, our goal is to get on the short list of those top performing consultants. Why is it good? Because when a consultant sends us a lead, I know that that is not a warm lead. That's a hot lead. They spent time, they qualified them financially. They got to know them. They understood their passion and their experience. And after doing all that, they said, boy, I really think, you know, you should go look at tippy toes, um, which is, you know, dance lessons, or I think you should go look at M14 hoops, which is basketball. So they find their passion and they, and they send them over to us. And at that point they're asking, can I look at this brand? It is a hot lead. And we're going to close that lead of course, and convert that lead at such a greater rate than we would uh, something from a portal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, wow. Uh, it's a great call. I just want to thank you for everything. Uh, my last question is, before we go, is is uh, sometimes people, companies, brokers, whoever, they're working with clients and those clients, they're good clients, but they go dark. And that can be because of a life event and you just don't know. Sure. What, are, what do you do to measure engagement or to re-engage with a good client? And we don't want to chase people who aren't interested and worth our time. But if you have a really good client, what are some engagement strategies to get back in front of people again?
1: We call them laggards. Um, so in our CRM, we track um, the progress of people throughout the process. And again, like I said, if somebody's not willing to follow a process right away, you know this is this is probably somebody that's not a fit. And we have literally had a candidate because we have twenty six brands where when we look across the processes and we compare notes, oh, they've been in four of our different pipelines and they just were a tire kicker every single time. Mm. So, you know, so that happens. So We call them laggards. And what that means is they're sitting in one stage for longer than 15 days. So they're not doing their homework. They're not advancing to the next stage. They're a no-show on that call. So in- in all truth, if they don't want to move forward to be a franchisee, the brand doesn't want them. And that is the absolute truth. So we will continue to call. We have a full support team. So when somebody hits in an active stage or they're in a laggard, we do start texting. We text um, three times and then we call three times. We have a process to get them reengaged in our process. But the truth is we're working to help our brands find the right franchisees. And if it's somebody you have to pursue, it's probably not a right fit for the brand.
0: I love that answer. Thank you, Carrie, uh, for everything. So uh, if you guys would like to work with uh, Franchise Fastlane, uh, obviously they know what they're doing. Um, you can click on the link by this video and reach out to them, give them a call. And uh, she's absolutely right. When you go in, if you're going to work with a broker network, um, just being part of it, you don't stand out. You're invisible. It doesn't matter. People have to know that you're a good know that uh, you have a process that's going to work. And um, you also learn that working with different people at these franchise companies, they're either effective or ineffective. And, And you pick up that credibility overnight when you work with the right company to help you. Thank you, Carrie. Do you have anything else to add?
1: No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.